Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church, Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another, and impacting the world. His power and glory evermore to proclaim. Do love singing God's praises together with you. Turn with me in your Bible to the book of Matthew. Matthew is in the New Testament. It is the first book. You can't miss it. If you need help finding it, your index in the front of your Bible. Over the next three Sundays, that's this Sunday, next Sunday, and Christmas Day, we will have a series from Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. In actual fact, I'm just going to be reading from verse 18 through to verse 25, but in actual fact, the series is just on two verses, and all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Just those two verses, that's verse 22 and 23. But in order to give us context, in order to set it in the Christmas narrative, I'm going to read to you from verse 18. So from verse 18 of Matthew chapter 1, I trust everyone has found it. Read along in your own Bible. Matthew chapter 1 verse 18, hear the word of God. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Let's bow in a word of prayer as we come to the teaching of God's word. Father, we have sung high praise this morning. We've sung of angels declaring your birth. We've sung of Jesus Christ, the, the King of the world, come in human flesh. We have adored you this morning. 
And now we wish to adore you more. As we read your word, as we hear the teaching of your word, Lord God, would you instruct us by your Holy Spirit working within us? Father, would you renew our minds? Spirit, would you stir our hearts? Lord Jesus Christ, might our lives be conformed to your image from one degree of glory to the next? That you might receive much praise from a people who have been set aside to you in this place. These things we pray in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So over the next three weeks, we will celebrate Christmas. Our Christmas celebrations will be different to the world's festive traditions. Christmas, you see, has very little to do with trees and bells and lights and eggnog. It has nothing to do really with holly and mistletoe and Santa Claus or even red-nosed reindeers named Rudolph. It is unlikely even that Jesus Christ was born on the 25th of December. Rooted in the world's festive tradition is a whole lot of non-Christian, religious, and pagan practices. Over the next few weeks, we will hijack the festive season. Christmas Day, you see, is as good as any other day to celebrate the birth of Jesus, who we celebrate every day. So we will use this festive season to point people to the true meaning of Christmas celebrations, the person of Jesus Christ and his work of saving the world. Read along with me. In your Bibles, in Matthew chapter 1, the first half of verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Matthew's gospel presents Jesus as the king of the Jews. And with his opening words in Matthew chapter 1 verse 1, Matthew connected Jesus to his legal ancestor, King David. The Magi, those not so three, probably more, wise men in Matthew chapter 2 verse 2, ask, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Matthew intends to present Jesus as the king of kings, even the king of kings. So we could title Matthew chapter 18 to uh, verse, uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 25, the birth of the king. Joy to the world, the Lord is come, let earth receive her king, we sing. And hark, The herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. Read with me in Matthew chapter 18, the second half. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, 
she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, the, the situation in this verse is tense. Mary is, is pregnant, and Joseph knows that he is not the father. Joseph knows that he is not the father because they have not yet had sexual intercourse. It's as simple as that. The situation is tense because they are as good as married. You ask, how are they as good as married but are not yet having sexual intercourse yet? Well, betrothal in your ESV is engagement. And engagement in Jewish culture then is different to engagement in our culture now. An engagement was a legally binding arrangement. Once you got engaged, there was no getting unengaged, except by legal divorce. Engagement usually lasted a calendar year. The marriage was then consummated by sexual intercourse on the wedding night. Joseph and Mary are as good as married. They cannot separate except by divorce, but the wedding night has not happened yet, and so they have not had sexual intercourse. And yet, Mary is beginning to be noticeably pregnant. Can you feel the tension hanging in the air? But tension is only half of our story in verse 18. There is excitement too. She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. The phrase, she was found, translates the Greek word herisko. Herisko is where we get our English word eureka from. The word eureka reminds us of the mathematician Archimedes. He's the guy who, after solving a difficult math problem, jumped out of his bath and ran down the street naked shouting, Eureka, I have found it. Verse 18 reads, Eureka, to be with child from the Holy Spirit. She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. There is a solution to our problem. You ask, what problem? Do you not feel it? All creation is groaning under the weight of the curse. Sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And so death has spread to all men because all sinned. Generation after generation of men inherit Adam's sin. Sin has affected us and sin has infected us. All of us. And the wages of sin is death. That is our problem. Death is our problem. How on earth can this sin problem be solved? A substitute to die in our place must be found. The righteous 
for the unrighteous. As one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. But men inherit Adam's sin. We need a solution to break the cycle. Eureka! She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Eureka, Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, does not inherit a sinful nature. Eureka, Jesus Christ, is the solution to our problem. There is plenty of tension in verse 18, but there is glory too. The creator of the heavens and the earth who spoke words and worlds came into being has brought about a miracle. Mary the virgin is pregnant. Read in your Bible verse 19 and 20. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Now, right now, you know something in the story that poor Joseph does not. All Joseph knows is that Mary is pregnant and he is not the father. Notice what is not in this text. Joseph bears no resentment. He expresses no anger. He seeks no vengeance. Instead, Matthew describes him as a just man, a righteous man. Like other Bible heroes before him, Joseph was upright in his generation. And Joseph clearly cares for Mary. And so he is unwilling to put her to shame. In, instead, he resolved not to hang out dirty laundry in public, a quiet divorce, no drama. Another attribute of Joseph I want to underline is his contemplative nature. He does not know the circumstances, and so he considers, he ponders, he reflects, he deliberates, he contemplates, he processes the situation. So much stuff rummaging around inside of his head. He must have gone to bed that night troubled. He knew Mary. He knew her as a virtuous young lady. She would not have cheated on him, would she? But she is pregnant. There's no denying that. And the inconvenient truth is he knows that he knows that he isn't the father. You can imagine him tossing and turning until at last he drifted off into a troubled sleep. Behold, hark. Spurgeon comments on this verse, behold is a word of wonder. It is intended to excite your admiration. Whenever you see it hung out in scripture, it is like an ancient signboard drawing attention to something of particular worth of observation. 
pay attention. Watch out for what comes next. In your own Bibles, read verse 20. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Just a brief note on angels. Angels are scary. (laughs) They are unlike the pretty, glittery, silver ornaments that we hang on Christmas trees. Nor are they like those cute, fat, childlike cherubs that we see on Hallmark postcards. From Scripture, we understand that they are usually not visible to us. They can appear as men. They often are radiant. They reflect something of the glory of God And there are different types of angels, such as cherubim and seraphim, described as otherworldly. Angels are warriors. They issue punishment from God. They bind Satan. They are battle-ready. Angels are scary. Now, because angels are scary, often the first words that they say to humans is, do not fear. In Genesis 21, the angel of God speaks to Hagar and begins the conversation by saying, fear not. In Daniel 10, one having the appearance of a man touched Daniel and said, fear not. In Acts 27, an angel appears to Paul to assure him, and the first thing that the angel says is, fear not. Now, notice what the angel says to Joseph in our text. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. As scary as a heavenly being in his dream is, Joseph's deepest fear, his heart fear, relates to Mary. But Joseph is about to discover what we already know to be true. The child is conceived from the Holy Spirit. To conceive means to beget, to procreate, to produce offspring. In this verse, we are on holy ground, the supernatural, the miraculous, the otherworldly. Jesus is not the offspring of the coupling of a man and a woman. His origin is divine. Meekness and majesty, manhood and deity, imperfect harmony, The man who is God. Oh, what a mystery. Meekness and majesty. Bow down and worship. For this is your God. Or again we sing, True God of true God, light of light eternal. Humbly he entered the virgin's womb. Son of the Father, begotten, not created. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. 
And again, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail, the incarnate deity. The angel said to Joseph, you shall call his name Jesus. The word Jesus comes to us from the Latin transliteration of the Greek word Jesus. The Greek word Jesus is a transliteration again of the Hebrew word Yeshua. Yeshua means Yahweh saves. The Lord saves. The covenant-keeping God of Israel who revealed his name as Yahweh saves. The babe of Bethlehem, Jesus Christ, is the personification of the salvation of the Lord. It is in his name and it is what he came to do. He will save his people from their sins. His people here are the Jews. And that is where salvation began. He he came to bring salvation from sins, not political liberation or economic redemption or social emancipation. He came to bring salvation from sin. And here is the point of Christmas. Miss this, and you miss everything. Christmas is part of God's meta-narrative of the redemption of humankind. Christmas marks the birth of the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Christmas is the story of our Lord who saves. Read with me in your Bibles, Matthew chapter 1, verse 24. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. Joseph is a just man. Joseph is a righteous man. He is an obedient man. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. I imagine his joy at taking Mary as his wife, knowing something of her faithfulness towards him now, knowing something of her favor in the Lord's sight now. But even after the wedding ritual, they did not have sexual intercourse, at least not until Jesus was born. We know that they lived as husband and wife after that because the Bible talks of Jesus having brothers and sisters. But until Mary had given birth to Jesus, he knew her not. Matthew chapter 25, the second half. And he called his name Jesus. That brings us to the end of Matthew's story about Joseph and the birth of Jesus Christ. As commanded, he named his son by adoption, Jesus. At its heart... The Christmas story is a miraculous story of the immaculate conception of the King of Kings. Well, that's the narrative that we are all so familiar with. But now I'd like you to turn your attention to Matthew's commentary on the Christmas story. And that is verse 22 and 23. 
Read along with me in your Bibles. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Let's step through that together. Matthew wants his readers to know that the Christmas story was to fulfill a prophecy. It says all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. That's God to us. Secondly, Matthew wants his readers to know that the prophecy spoke of a virgin birth of a son. We read, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. That's, that's God like us. Matthew wants his readers to know that Jesus would be called Emmanuel. That's God with us. That will be our outline this Sunday, next Sunday, and Christmas Day as you invite your family and your friends to church at 9 a.m. <laughs> Don't come at 10.30 a.m. on Christmas Day. There, there won't be anyone Yeah, You will sit by yourself as we eat gammon at home. <laughs> Our outline over the next three weeks will be God to us, God like us, and God with us. So this morning, God to us. Don't worry, that wasn't just a very long introduction. <laughs> We're more than halfway through. The Sunday, the Christmas story was to fulfill a prophecy. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. That's God to us. Which prophet, you ask? Well, Isaiah the prophet. Turn very briefly to Isaiah chapter 7 in your Bibles. That's in the Old Testament. It starts at Genesis. It ends in Malachi. Isaiah is about halfway in between. You can actually... Just scroll in your Bible. You'll happen across it. It's quite a long book, so it stands out. Isaiah chapter 7. This is what Matthew is quoting. Isaiah chapter 7. Read along with me. Isaiah chapter 7, beginning at the first verse. When Ahaz, son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, the king of Judah, king Rezin of Aram, and Pekah, son of Remaliah, king of Israel marched up to fight against Jerusalem, but they could not overpower it. Now the house of David was told, Aram has allied itself with Ephraim. So the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. At this time, Israel was split into two kingdoms. The, the, the southern kingdom is known as Judah and Ahaz is king. The, the northern kingdom only had wicked kings. The southern kingdom sometimes had righteous kings. Ahaz was a wicked king. He was an idolater. He sacrificed his children, his own children in the fire. Now the Armenians and Samaritans have declared war on Judah. Jerusalem right now is under siege. Ahaz and all his people are shaking in their boots. At that time, the Lord sent Isaiah to meet with Ahaz. You can read that in verse 3. In verse 4, 
we read Isaiah commanding Ahaz to be careful, to keep calm, to not be afraid, and to not lose heart. And Isaiah told Ahaz in verse 7, it will not take place. It will not happen. Because God is sovereign over Damascus, the capital city of Syria, that's in verse 8, and as well as Samaria, the northern kingdom of Israel, that's the first half of verse 9. Can you hear now the threat in Isaiah's closing words at the end of verse 9? If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. Again, in verse 10, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, asked the Lord for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest highs. That's verse 11. The Lord offers this wicked, this idolatrous, this child-sacrificing king a sign. Whatever he wants, nothing is too big, nothing is impossible. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, verse 12. I will not put the Lord to the test. Ahaz is not being pious here. He is sarcastic. He is rebellious. His reply is snarky. Well, the prophet Isaiah loses his temper in verse 13. Prophets and pastors are allowed to do that. (laughs) Well, I don't know so much about pastors, but definitely prophets in this text. In verse 13, uh, he loses his temper. He has no more time for Ahaz. Instead, he, he turns and he addresses the people around him. Hear now, you house of David, Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of God also? Friends, God is patient, but he will not be patient with a fool forever. God is long-suffering, but he will not suffer the wicked without end. Think of Noah and the flood. Think of Sodom and Gomorrah, the wrath of God will fall at last. Ahaz refused a sign. Now, Isaiah says, and you can read this in verse 14, the Lord himself will give you, he's speaking to Israel here, a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. God's sign is the promise of a child born of a virgin who would be Emmanuel, God with us. God's word is filled with prophetic promise. God spoke of a promised conqueror to come to Adam and Eve. After God had created the the heavens and the earth and all in them, Adam sinned. And when God cursed the serpent, he promised, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. God spoke of a promised blessing to come to Abraham. He took one man, from all the men of all the world and led him out of his land towards the promised land and he promised 
I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God spoke of a promised king to come to David. To a man after God's own heart, the greatest king of Israel, he promised, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Jesus Christ is the ultimate fulfillment of all the prophetic promises from God to us. For all the promises of God find their yes and amen in him. The world makes a big deal about Christmas. Our festive traditions are all about trees and bells and lights and eggnog, holly and mistletoe and Santa Claus and that red-nosed reindeer named Rudolph. But for all the time with family over the season, for all the food that you will eat and for all the festivity you will enjoy, all too often we miss the reason for this season. This season of celebration is about the person of Jesus Christ and his work to save the world from its sin. And your world needs saving. We feel its brokenness. Pain and struggle, injustice, oppression, sickness, disease, death. The world needs saving and so do we. Our brokenness is manifest in our sin. Sin has infected all of us. It has affected every single one of us. We feel the shame of it. We feel the guilt of it. Sin separates us relationally from God. Sin will separate us eternally from him. Jesus came to bring salvation from sins. Not political liberation, not economic redemption, not social emancipation. He came to bring you salvation from your sins. Here's the point of Christmas. Miss this friend and you miss everything. Jesus died And he rose again that you may be saved. Jesus Christ is God's promise to you. A promise that runs through all history. To Adam and Eve, he is the promised conqueror. To Abraham, he is the promised blessing. To David, he is the promised king. To Israel, he is the promise of God with us. Jesus is the promised savior of the world And God's promise to you today is everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Friend, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. Christian, Jesus Christ is God to us. Hijack the festive season. Around the dinner table with family and friends herald him. Make Christmas about Jesus in your prayers, in your conversations, in your life. Jesus is God to us. He is the fulfillment of prophecy. Let us celebrate him. Let us proclaim him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Amen. Let's close in a word of prayer. From just after the creation of the world when man fell into sin, Lord God, we have needed a savior. In Jesus Christ, we who are great sinners find a great savior indeed. Even as we herald him, as we proclaim him, as we preach of him this Christmas season, I ask, Father God, would you open our eyes once again that we might behold his glory. Father, for those who are in darkness, would you bring them into light? For those who are dead in their trespasses and sins, would you make them alive in Jesus Christ? Open their eyes that they might see that the babe of Bethlehem is the savior of the world, that they might repent of their sins and put their faith and trust in him. We ask this in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our savior. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.